Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's recording of Redeemer Church of Knoxville's Sunday Sermon. We're really glad to have you with us because we know that there are a million different podcasts that you could be listening to right now. So we're thankful that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us. We hope that this recording will be an encouragement to you and that God, by his spirit, will use his word to remind you of Jesus' love. If you would like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. To do that, please email us at office at redeemerknoxville.org. We also want to give a quick thank you shout out to Evie Andrus and Parker Green, who you hear playing our awesome intro and outro music here each week. Lastly, if you'd like to support Redeemer and her mission to Urban and University Knoxville, please visit www.redeemerknoxville.org and look for the little give button in the top right corner. Thank you so much, and here is this week's sermon. Well, if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, uh, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 1 through 4 and then 14 through 18. I want to start by apologizing to Kelsey because Kelsey Osborne also lives at the home with Matt Osborne. And it's so both of their homes, it's not just Matt's. And so forgive me for that. Uh, I do want to welcome you to Redeemer this morning. It's great to have you with us. Uh, My name is Sean Slate and I'm the pastor here and we are so glad to have you because we know that there are a million different things that you could be doing this morning. For instance, you could be over at the university getting ready for the Super Regional to watch uh, the Vols play some baseball. Uh, Hopefully, we'll keep our middle fingers down uh, today. Uh, You could be at home uh, watching the Disney Plus and the Obi-Wan and the Boba Fett and all those, which are really great. Or you could be uh, floating in the quarry this morning but you're not. You're here with us, and it really is great to have you, and so thank you for coming. And the reality is that there really is nothing better that you could do with your time than to worship Jesus, uh, consider his claims upon your life, to reflect upon the kindness of his word and the power of his kingdom. And so I do want to thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome to Redeemer. Uh, What is Redeemer? Well, Redeemer is a church, and what that means is that we're a community of people who are trying to learn how to love God, and we're trying to learn how to love our neighbor. And fundamentally, what we believe is that Jesus is God, he's the Messiah, and he's entered into the world to die for our sins and to reveal the love of the Father. And so every week as his people, we gather together to worship him so that we might learn to rest in the love that God has for us in Jesus. And as we rest in his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in community. We love to play golf together, uh, or what looks like golf together, might not actually be golf. Uh, We love to watch baseball together, we love to go uh, ice skating together, but we really love to gather together and read the Bible and pray together so that we can remind each other of the great love that God has for us in Jesus. And so as we rest in his love and as we remind each other of his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in service so that together we might reflect the love of God to our family, to our friends, and to our neighbors who are here in Urban University in Knoxville, and hopefully in some way it would spill out into the entire earth, right? That's who we are. We're people who are trying to learn how to love God. We're trying to learn how to love our neighbor as we rest, as we remind, and as we reflect. And so to help us do that, we've begun this short little five-week series on God's Word. And here's what I want us to consider. We talked about beginning last week with uh, the fact that God speaks, right? And then God speaks good news, And God speaks good news about his son. And God speaks good news about his son with joyful testimony. And God speaks good news about his son with joyful testimony and deep longing. And so what I want us to reflect upon this morning is this. That God speaks about his son. All right, God speaks about his son. So with that in mind, let's look together at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then 14 through 16. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Will you pray with me now for the teaching? Uh, Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are a God not hidden nor silent, but you are one who delights to reveal yourself to us, your people. It's our prayer uh, that as we attend unto your word this morning, by your kindness, you would attend unto us, that you would show us lovely things of you in this, your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we begin this morning, I, I want to just acknowledge and recognize the fact that for many of us, the Bible is a really difficult book. And all of us have uh, really different experiences with the Bible, I mean, there are some of us who have had the Bible used against us all of our lives. And people have taken the Bible just to, uh, to shame us, uh, to guilt us, uh, to control us. We have heard and watched as people have taken the Bible and twisted it and used it to justify all kinds of horrible things. And the misuse and the abuse of the Bible, as we all know, uh, can bring terrible harm just as it did in the very beginning. You might remember the way uh, things began. They began in the beginning, and in the beginning God spoke, and everything that God spoke was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was very good. And then in the garden, in this goodness, a tragedy occurred. Uh, the evil one slithered in and began to twist the words of God. And the twisting brought doubt and frustration and confusion and disappointment and broken relationships with God and with our neighbor and with ourselves and with the world. And when that happened, then sin and shame began to enter into the world. And it all came from this twisting and this abuse of God's word by the evil one there in the garden. And I just want to say that the twisting and the abuse of God's word is nothing new to today. It's something that happened in the very beginning, all the way back on page three of the Bible. But there are some of us here, right, who, when we think about the Bible, we've heard about the Bible all of our lives, and we've been told it's the Word of God, and we just believe it, even though we've never read it. And so for many of us, the Bible just sort of functions like that terms of agreement contract that you check yes on when you download something onto your computer and you're like, I just want to use the app. Okay, fine. You know, you scroll through all the legalese, how they're going to use your data. I don't really care what it says. I just believe and let's just move on. There are others of us who, when it comes to the Bible, we really want to understand it. But at the end of the day, the Bible just sort of feels like a wordle puzzle. Like every morning you get up and you try to figure out what it might mean or what the words are. You make your best guesses. And then often you figure out what the words actually might mean, but you don't know what the word actually means. And then you go about the rest of your day. There are others of you, when we read this book, it's, it's big. 
It's a big book, right? And it's just lists of names and places and people and histories and cultures that you don't really understand, that you've never really heard of. And so you feel like you're reading like a B-side Tolkien novel or maybe trying to figure out the, the Marvel universe and how it all fits together. And it doesn't really make much sense. Then there are others of us, when we read the Bible, we know exactly what it's saying, and that's the problem. (laughs) Uh, We don't like what it says. And I think it was Mark Twain who once said, it's not the things which I do not understand in the Bible which trouble me, but the things which I do understand. Now, we all have issues with the Bible. We all come with different experiences with uh, God's word. But the real issue behind all of these questions is this. uh, What is God's word most fundamentally about what is God actually trying to communicate and I think if we can understand what God is trying to communicate then maybe many of these other issues will fall into place and so what is God's word about well God's word is about squirrels God's word is about Jesus right I mean it's about Jesus and that's what I want us to think about this morning that the Bible is about Jesus Okay, the Bible is about Jesus. Would you say that with me? The Bible is about Jesus. And because the Bible is most fundamentally about Jesus, if you read the Bible and you miss Jesus, you have misread the Bible. I just want to say that again. If you read the Bible and you miss Jesus, you have misread the Bible. I want you to notice the way this passage begins, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And what I want you to see here is that here in John 1, John is giving us the origin story of the Word. The word who was with God, the word who was God, the word who was in the beginning, the one through whom all things came into being. If you've been around Christianity for a while, you know uh, this phrase, in the beginning. And in the beginning is this echo of the words in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And the purpose of echoing Genesis chapter 1 here in John chapter 1 is to tie this story of the word together from beginning to end. Uh, Think about it this way. I don't know if any of you have seen this hip, cool new musical called Hamilton. It's about this guy named Alexander Hamilton. And if you've seen it, or if you've uh, listened to the soundtrack, uh, you know that there are certain phrases and there are certain melodies that echo down throughout the entire musical, right? Things like, look around, look around, right? Or not thrown away my shot. Yeah, fantastic, y'all, some of you. And uh, I've never been satisfied, right? Thank you. And so when you hear these phrases getting echoed throughout the entire musical, what's the point? The point is to try to tie all the themes and all the characters together throughout the whole story. And that's what's happening here in Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. The notes and the tunes are set for us so that we might begin to clearly hear the message of God. And what is that message? The message is Jesus. Notice what it says, the word was God and the word was with God. Now, who is this word? Well, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. 
And this is amazing because what he's saying is that word became flesh. That word didn't just remain words that you heard. That word didn't just remain words that you read. But that word became enfleshed. That word became embodied. That word uh, drew near to us. Here's a negative example for you. I'm not sure if any of you have read this hip, cool new series of books. It's called Harry Potter. It's about a boy whose name is Harry Potter. And he finds out that he's a wizard. And he gets invited to this wizarding school where all this magic happens. And anyway, if you've read it or if you've seen some movies about it, uh, you probably remember in book two, The Chamber of Secrets, at the end of the story, everything changes when you begin to realize that the words of Tom Riddle's diary had taken on the human form of the one who had written them. And everything begins to change. It becomes much more intimate, much more uh, complicated as you realize that Jenny wasn't just interacting with words on the page. She's actually interacting with the one who had written and spoken them. That he had drawn near to her and those words were then coming to life. And that's what John is saying happened That the word that was in the beginning, the word that is God, that word that spoke and the world came into being, that word is Jesus. And so that word that said, let there be light and there was light, that word that said, let there be narwhal and there was narwhal, that word that said, let there be naked mole rat and there was naked mole rat, right? That word actually became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what John is saying happened. The word that was in the beginning, that word is God. And here's what's incredible. That word didn't just remain words. That word didn't just remain a bunch of commands. That word didn't remain just a bunch of spiritual insights. That word didn't, uh, wasn't just a go to try to make you do more and do better. That word actually took on flesh and blood and dwelt among us. And I think that this is really important for us because we tend to think that Jesus just wants to give us rules and commands. But notice what it said, the word became flesh, that word then dwelt among us. And what this means is that the creator of the universe isn't content just to speak to us. The creator of the universe wants to draw near to us. He wants to dwell with us. He doesn't want to remain up in heaven barking at us. And what this is telling us is that the word of God is actually personal. The word of God is fundamentally relational. In fact, the way we understand the Bible is that the Bible isn't about information so much as it is an invitation for God's people to hear the voice of God and to respond in loving relationship to him. And John is telling us that Jesus is this word who from the very beginning of time has been echoing down throughout history So that we can be in relationship with him. Not just by reading words, not just by thinking ideas, but by listening to the word of invitation. To be in relationship with the God who made you and took on flesh to dwell among us. You see, the Bible is about Jesus. Right? The Bible is about Jesus. Would you say that with me? The Bible is about Jesus. And Jesus is the one who was from the beginning. And so if you want to understand Jesus, you you can't start at Christmas. If you want to understand Jesus, we don't start, right, at his birth. If you want to understand Jesus, we must begin where all good stories begin, in the beginning. And in the beginning, as Sally Lloyd-Jones summarizes, is this. In the beginning, there was nothing, nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see, only emptiness and darkness, nothing but nothing, 
but God was there. And God had a wonderful plan. And out of the darkness, I'm going to make light. And out of the nothing, I'm going to make everything. And God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke, that's all. And whatever he said, it happened. And so here's the point. John is saying that this word, this Jesus, is the word who in the beginning created all things. And this word, then, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I don't know if you heard this in this verse, but one of the things that's happening here is that John is inviting us into the deep, beautiful mysteries of the Trinity. Because what John is saying is that God the Father has true and gracious things to say to us. And the way the Father says these things to us, the way the Father says true and gracious things to us, is through his word, his Son, who is Jesus. Now to talk about the Trinity as we think about the Word of God might seem a little strange, but it's actually essential to understanding the Word of God because the point is this. God has something to say. The Father has something to say. And the Father says it through his Son, Jesus, and then seals it by his Holy Spirit. And this Trinitarian revelation is important to Christians because we actually believe that God has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what this means is that God from all eternity is a community of love and faithful commitment. And this is a really big deal because what this means and what is unique about the Christian God is that the Christian God is fundamentally relational in his very being, in his ontology. That the Christian God is fundamentally loving and relational. And so when God speaks, he speaks not out into empty universe. But when God speaks, he speaks as a person to make himself known. And he speaks out of his eternal love. And this is why theologians love to say that out of the overflow of his love, God spoke the world into being. And he did this, he spoke out of his love in order to share his love with all that he has made. You see, God wanted the world to enter into and to enjoy loving fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we catch a glimpse of this desire of God in the high priestly prayer. Uh, the high priestly prayer is Jesus' prayer right before uh, the Last Supper, right before the crucifixion. And as he's praying in John chapter 17, he says this. Listen to Jesus' desire, right? When we pray, we offer up our desires un unto God. Listen to his prayer. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Do you hear what Jesus is praying for? Do you hear the desire of Christ? What does he want more than anything else? Jesus wants his people to be with him. Which means that Jesus wants us to be with him. I don't know if you think about that. What this means is that Jesus isn't just tolerating you. That Jesus isn't just putting up with you. But he actually wants to be with you. And he wants us to be with him so that we might enjoy and know the glory and the love of the Father. 
That's what Jesus wants. He wants to share the love of the Father with us. And this happens as we listen to the word of Jesus. And again, this is John's point in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now, I think this is really interesting because the language of being at the Father's side isn't just that of being next to him or being around him, but it's actually more like sitting on the Father's lap. And so this idea of being at the Father's side is really sitting with the Father and enjoying his loving presence. And that's what the word of God is meant to communicate. The glory and the joy of the Father's love. And Jesus is the word that tells us that the Father is not out to get us. That the Father does not hate us. That the Father is not distant from us. But the Father wants us to know him and to know and enjoy his love. I don't know if that's the way you think about the word of God. And I don't know if that's the way you think about God. But what the word of God is trying to communicate is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit want us to know their love. And this is amazing because God actually is wanting to communicate not anger, not hatred, not get better, not do more, but love. And he wants us to know and enjoy that love. And then he wants to enjoy our love in return. And the only way for us to enter into this love is if we listen to and follow after Jesus. Here's the point. The Bible is about Jesus. Right? The Bible is about Jesus. Would you say that with me? The Bible is about Jesus. Again, this is important because we tend to use the Bible as a tool to make life work for us. We tend to use the Bible as a guide for politics or a guide for marriage or a guide for parenting or a guide for money or a guide for how to live a successful, carefree life or a guide for how to be good to make God love us. But the Bible isn't first and foremost about those things. The Bible is God's word to us about Jesus who reveals to us the love of the Father so that we might begin to rest in his love. In fact, the very existence of this book is God's way of telling us that he cares. The very existence of the book is God's way of telling us that he hasn't abandoned us and neglected us or left, it a, left us to ourselves, but it is his way of telling us he wants us to know him. And that's John's point in verse 1 when he says, in the beginning. And the purpose of this word, in the beginning, was for the word, uh, the purpose in the beginning was for the word of creation to echo down throughout history. We talked about this last week, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky proclaimed his handiwork, when day to day they pour out speech, and night to night they revealed knowledge. Well, what are they saying? What are they singing? It's as if they're echoing out the word of Jesus, made in love by the Father. Right? Made in love by the Father. And I truly believe that that's why pomegranates are amazing. Because they're made in love by the Father. It's why cadmium red, if you're a painter, you know it's the best. It's why uh, being loved and being known are just beautiful. It's why the warmth of the sun is amazing. 
Because God knows and he loves us and the Father wants us to know his love and to enjoy it. And he wants to enjoy our love in return. And this is why Jesus became flesh. This is why Jesus was, verse 17, filled with grace and truth. This is why in the book of Hebrews we're told that Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the final word because he's the final word about God. He is the true word about the Father. And he came to show us what the Father is truly like. And this is why the Apostle Paul in Colossians tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. For in him is the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Here's the point. God has made himself known to us in Jesus. And so if we want to know God, if we want to know what he's like, then we must listen to his word and look to Jesus, receiving his love and following him in love. The third century African theologian Athanasius wrote this beautiful little book on the incarnation, and in it he said this, God had mercy on the human race in that being good, he did not leave them destitute of the knowledge of himself, lest their being should be profitless. For what profit would there be for those who were made if they did not know their own maker? Now what Athanasius was saying was that the word of God is a gift. And it is a gift because through it, our maker makes himself known to us. And what good would it be for the, make, for the creation, right, for those that are made, if we did not know our maker? And he's saying God has been kind through his word, through his son, to reveal to us who he is. To reveal his love for that which he made. You see, God's word is a gift. He never had to speak. He never had to make himself known. He could have remained silent, but instead, what did he do? He spoke to reveal his love. And I think that this is one of the things that makes Christianity really unique. I think as most of you know, Christianity often gets lumped in with Judaism, Islam, Mormonism, just sort of as a, a book, a, a religion of the book. And by that, what's often meant is that we all have books and our books are sacred text. And then we say that those books are really just a human collection of inspirational stories and experiences with the divine. And I think, sadly, that's how we often engage with the Bible. It's just a bunch of inspiring stories. Or it's just a collection of information about God and certain topics. And if we just search the concordance, then we'll figure out what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to believe. But what I hope you see here is that the Word of God is more than just a bunch of information. It's more than just a bunch of knowledge that's being given to us. The Word of God is actually an invitation to us. To rest in the love of God. To hear his word of love. And to respond in love to him. And I think that this is one of the things that makes Christianity really unique. We believe that our book became a man. We believe that our book became a man. Not just words, but the word become flesh. Jesus is the message. And he came not just to tell us that God loves us, but to show us. And ultimately, this is why Jesus died on the cross for our sins, because we have a God who is not content to just spill a bunch of ink about 
his love for us. Instead, he spilt his blood in order to prove it. And this is why the Bible always leads us to the cross. Because at the cross, we hear God's word of love spoken to us. Just at Lent, we talked about the words of the cross, and you probably remember them, but remember these words, Father, forgive them. Remember these words, today you will be with me in paradise. And these are these amazing words of love that, that God forgives us because he loves us. And that because he loves us, he desires for us to be with him. That's what our God is like. That's what our God wants us to hear. That's what his word is all about. The love of the Father revealed in the Son and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's that word of God's love. It's that word of the Son that begins to inform everything. You see, the Bible is about Jesus. Right? The Bible is about Jesus. Would you say that with me? The Bible is about Jesus. And as we're about to come to the table, that's what the table is about as well. As we come to this table, we look at the bread, we look at the wine, and what are they? They are God feeding us with the love of Christ. As we come to the table, we, we see the bread, and we're reminded that, that our creator took on flesh and blood and dwelt among us to reveal the love of the Father to us. As we come to this table and we see the cup, which is uh, the, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of our sins, we are reminded of the love of the Father who forgives. And then he invites us to come and not just look at him. He invites us to come and not just think things about him and not just see him, but he invites us to to get up out of our seats and to receive him, to receive the love of Christ. And so as we come to the table, this is a response to God's love. Coming to the table is the reception of God's love for us. And to receive his love, you cannot remain passive. You've got to get up and respond to him. And so I invite you to come and taste and see the love of God, and that it is good. And that's what the Bible is about. That's what this table is all about. It is reminding us that it is all about Jesus. It is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. Would you say that one last time with me? It is about Jesus. Jesus.